Hello, welcome to... A- ho, 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 Merry Christmas. I'm <laughs> Chip Chantry. <laughs> I was and to- this is my friend who doesn't celebrate the holiday, Ken Krantz. <laughs> uh, I take offense at that. I, I do celebrate now. Oh, that's that's true. I, yeah. my, my apologies. Yeah. yeah. I, I married into Christmas. Yeah. Well, that's a... <laughs> That's a that's a fun one to do. Yeah, it's probably my biggest accomplishment outside of making a person. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, Yeah. So this is uh, like this is a very special Christmas episode of I Love Rock and Roll. Mm -hmm. I'm Ken Krantz. And I am Chip Chantry. And who do we have on the boards this week? Well, we he's pulling double duty. He is as as our board man. Mm hmm. And our guest. Yeah. This is a first. This is awesome. It's the Big Kahuna, ladies and gentlemen. How are you guys? Hey, we ask ask the questions around here. Hey. I mean, I've been on this show long enough that I can ask some questions, damn it. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you, especially for the holidays. Should Should we let him maybe interview yourself? And we'll we'll tell you. We can just like sit back. Wait, real talk. What just, was did I do your your first episode or did I come in, in the, at the you second? You didn't. You came in on the second, which was Beach Boys, Manson. Yes, and uh, crap, I'm blanking out. There was like part of something else, but but yeah, it was Beach Boys and Manson. Yeah, and we, I've been stuck here ever since. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, he's been he's been trying to get out ever since. But listen, since we are we're rapidly approaching the end of the year, Christmas is just uh, what two weeks away. Let's, yeah, eleven days at this point. Eleven days. Ugh. Someone should do a song counting down. Remind I'll me. Look in, I'll remind look me that it. I want to write a Christmas classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, speaking of writing Christmas classics. Kahuna, Chip and I both agree you may have actually done just that. <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate so that. Let's let's get into that. Part of the reason we're here today is because we want to discuss uh, Kahuna, uh, aka. Tell us your the name where people can find you. Well, Kahuna. my government name and the way that people can find me is Christian Cordes. Uh, I've been making music for I'm a, I've been a filmmaker since I was a kid, but I've been making music for about five years and doing a Christmas record has always been something I wanted to do. And finally, this year, I was like, you know what? I have the time. I have the inklings of some great song ideas. Let me just finish them and do something. So that's what I did. And uh, I re- I wrote and produced this album called In the Key of Christmas, which comes out at the end of this week on Friday. To see, uh, yeah, Friday, December 17th. Yep. We're, and we're, where can you get it? Just any, yeah, any it'll platform? Yeah, it'll be everywhere. It'll be on uh, Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, all that stuff. Uh, also available on physical CDs, which is dope. I didn't think that was going to be an option, but it is. And the That's a fun thing. Did, Ken, did you, is your comedy album on... CD or is it just streaming? It's just it's just streaming. You know what I did? I got the because when I put my album out, CDs were already. Mm-hmm. It's you 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 seem uh, when you're pushing CDs at the end of a show. I always feel like you should also have 
uh, something to play them. Like you should sell your CD and oh, and here's uh, a boombox because what the <laughs> right. hell are you going to do with my CD? <laughs> yeah. So here's, I, uh, I actually sell my CD with a with a free pair of rollerblades. <laughs> <laughs> so when I, when I put my first album out, I got a thousand download cards. That's so perfect. you you give you know you you can sell the card which gives you a code. Yeah. Um. You know how many of those thousand I sold? How many can? Um. I I sold a download card. <laughs> I have I have nine hundred and ninety nine left. Uh, I gave a bunch out for free. What I discovered about myself in in putting out an album is I am too embarrassed and don't have enough confidence on stage to uh, ask people to buy it. I I'm the same way. I'm a terrible business person, yeah. and I my dad grew up worked in the grocery business his whole life. You know, in different different aspects of grocery. He's a he's a born salesman. Like he just can do. Yeah, and. I'm the exact opposite and yep. like to my detriment. Cause I, I could probably be a lot further in my comedy career if I just push myself more and literally, and I just push myself, but like, you know, promoted myself more, but I just like standing after shows in the lobby of a comedy club where I usually don't even like to go. Right. Let alone make eye contact with anyone. And then the first step is like, you just had to deal with me for a half hour, 45 minutes or an hour. Now I want you to pay 10 or $20 for a CD is just is my seventh level of hell. Yes. <laughs> it's worse. I will say I came in just because I'm, I, this is going to sound stupid. I'm such a music fan. Obviously we all know that. And when I came out with my first album in 2012, I got a thousand CDs and it was the most exciting I was like, I have a CD now, like just like it's my a- favorite things that I could buy growing up. I have one now and I sold them after shows. I did force myself and I sold them like hotcakes. Like they sold like crazy for about 18 months after every show, yeah. 10, 15, 20 CDs. I was making more money selling CDs than I was working for the weekend in yep. Buffalo or whatever. And it was going crazy. And then just one day in like 2014, it just stopped. Like it was, there was just one show. I forget exactly where it was, but I just sold zero CDs. And from then on, I, I think I've sold like three because nobody has a CD player anymore. It's that form of media is just gone. And then I didn't even, I didn't even buy anything when my second album came out in 2019 I didn't, it's just streaming. People can get it streaming, but like, I, I didn't, I was trying to think of like a cool thing to like a, some sort of tchotchke, some sort of like vinyl uh, would be cool. Like I would, I would love to put, you know, you know, know Josh Gondelman is right. Mm -hmm. You know, Josh, I don't know. Hilarious dude. Just one of the funniest guys. Crazy. When his one album came out, he actually, I think it was called physical whisper. And he made it look like, I believe, a Michael Bolton album cover. Like, it's basically like the same thing. It's like very similar stylistically. And like, he's standing, I think, like posing like Michael Bolton during one, I think, or Kenny G. I forget one of those. But he made cassette tapes. And it's a gold cassette tape that I think you can play in a cassette Mm -hmm. player. Mm -hmm. But also with the cassette tape comes a download card. Yeah. So you get a physical thing that you just put on your shelf or you just have for fun, just a a cassette tape. And then you have the download card as well. That's something it's, 
with vinyl in particular, like, because this was something that I actually wanted to do also for In the Key of Christmas, but, like, it's such a difficult thing to do short runs of because the initial pressing is what is the most expensive. Right. Because you have to create, like, the plate Mm -hmm. that then gets squeezed into the vinyl material and then all that type of shit. But there's actually some dope services now where you can have a pretty low-cost run of vinyl and there's actually ways you can go about doing crowdfunding and i actually might do this next year where you can uh you can have a record you can be a comedian an artist or whatever and then you can uh outsource it so like if you wanted to order chip chantry's record you would just pre-order it and that Mm -hmm. pre-order would then account for the vinyl production sales Mm -hmm. okay so it's great it's a really dope system it's called curates uh so there's there's a couple of ways i could help you figure out cds and stuff like that too because figuring out this whole thing with the christmas record was just a surprise because most of the time you order cds right and you order like a thousand and that's really it you pay up front what i found was a service that does it on demand so if you wanted a cd of my record the company would print it and then just ship it to you like it's not sitting in a warehouse that's great and that's why i was like excited when i was like oh i don't have to pay any fucking overhead this is great yeah Mm -hmm. so that's that was the only reason why I did the physical CDs and I'll probably stop the run after a while like take the listing offline for it's just a thing that like I know a lot of people who still collect CDs so I mm-hmm. still wanted to give them some form mm-hmm. of physical thing originally it was just going to I actually had this all ready to go but I just decided not to do it I was going to release Christmas ornaments some custom ones that's, oh, that smart. Been. that's yeah you know and, and that's something you can do Kahuna because yours is a weird album in that like you know it's a music album or comedy album it's like hopefully you have that big first run people buy it and then you move on and maybe you make a, an album next year in two years or whatever you, you move on to your next project yeah. like comedians or bands but yours is a seasonal thing so Yours is, no pun intended, yours is, it's a Christmas, it's evergreen, where like you can come back to it every Christmas and it's still going to be like next Christmas, you you could get another bump for selling these because it it is a an annual thing. It's not like, oh, this style of music goes away or whatever. It's Christmas right. music. People yeah. listen to it every year. Yeah. So yeah. you could make the Christmas albums or the Christmas ornaments now or plan them now and then roll them out next thanksgiving or whatever oh that would be that's actually not a bad idea i think that that'd be cool how did uh how did you come up with the name in the key of christmas um i i don't so even is, remember is it, it's songs in the key of christmas or in the key of christmas it's just in the key of christmas oh i thought it was because at first i thought you were like doing like a stevie wonder stevie nod. wonder thing <laughs> yeah and then I, was, I think it's partially that and then a couple of other things i think just that was always something that I liked as a title, just in the key of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like that always just kind of rolled for me. And that also the idea is that if I ever wanted to do like a Halloween record, I could do in the key of Halloween or just like just joking stuff. But sure. like I I just like how it rolls like in the key of Christmas, like it just kind of it flows really well. So yeah. I, I forgot wh- what the initial genesis of the idea was, but yeah, it just kind of when I when I thought of it, it just stuck, and I was like, "Yeah, this is my record." It's um, I I so listening to it, so not the the thing that you sent me. Not every track played for some reason. So I'll I'll be I haven't heard 
everything, but everything I did hear, like, you know, you know, when your friend gives you something or like when, when, when you go to see a comic do like, Hey, this is a new bit. Will you watch it and give me notes and somebody that you like a lot. And then you're nervous. Like, Oh God, what if this sucks? And then I have to like face them. Yeah, I've, I've heard your album, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard KP Burks a couple of times too, man. That was rough at the first go. <laughs> Love you, KP. Um, he's not listening. Um, um, uh, but I was nervous. Like when, when, when Kahuna sent it over, I was like, Oh God, what if this, what if this sucks? And then we have to face him and, and, and talk to him about it. But and not only do we have to face him, but we have to face him on a podcast where at least seven or eight people listen. <laughs> but honestly, <laughs> man, like, even if that were the case, I would have, I would have just been fine with it. Cause I would have. My thing with my music is that like I'm still ever growing. This is this is the result of five years of learning at this point. Like this is me figuring out production techniques and stuff like that. So even the the more weak stuff on the record and like I still am proud of because it's like, hey, there's still some technique here. Like I wouldn't have been able to make this record when I started at all. But now. Right. But even so, like, hey. To, uh, to each his own. If you guys didn't like it, it's your thing. It's your call. It's all. No, good. it was it, it it was good. It was good. And and you have what uh, Chip and I both agree is an absolute classic Christmas song on there. And and I I was able to listen to all the tracks. All the tracks are good. It's great. I mean, I would say good. They're great. They're fun Christmas songs, and I I really enjoyed them. Uh, they're just. I mean, you put it on. It's. For, for, for Christmas, it, it's got to set a mood, obviously. Like Christmas music has to set a mood and it does it perfectly. It's the, the production value is great. The songs are great. Uh, but I think we're getting to what Ken's just about to bring up. There is one in particular that just blew me away. Ken Krantz, take it away. Yeah. So um, what it's it's the third track. Tree what, lights. Tree lights. It is. It sounds so instantly familiar even though you've never heard it before it sounds like in fact i'll i'll give you the best compliment you can get i was listening to it last night uh i was trying to get my daughter into it mm -hmm. and um my my wife walked in the room and i'm listening to it on my phone the tv is on it's football but there's no sound yeah and when my wife walked in the room and heard your song, she immediately asked, what movie are you watching? Like, wow. Like she just assumed I was watching a Christmas movie hearing that oh, song. That's dope. Yeah. She just immediately was like, Hey, what movie is this from? And then I was like, no, I was like, I'm watching football. This is Kahuna. I held up my phone. I was like, this is Kahuna's Christmas album that I'm listening to. And and she said, you know, I, that just sounds like it, it should be in a movie. And that that's what Chip said. Chip called me off air the other day and was like, I could see this tree light song in a lifetime Christmas movie, in a Netflix Christmas movie. That's yeah, that's easily. wild to me yeah. because we – so my my whole family has been in music my whole life. Oh, you've, you've never mentioned it. <laughs> but, uh, but because of that, I had a conversation recently with a family friend who was like, 
have you ever thought about licensing? Is that like a thing that I was like, I didn't even know that was a possibility. And then they were like, we're going to try and set you up with some sort of licensing thing for next year. So even though there's not going to be stuff this year, I'm going to try and get this stuff into right. into media because you're not the first person that said that. That's why it meant so much to me when, you, when your wife said that. I was like, wow, that's a great feeling yeah. because that's the whole feeling that I based this whole record off of. It's the vibe of just vegging out on the couch, watching Christmas shows with the family on like Christmas Eve. Like that's the whole vibe. And for you to say that, like, well, for her to say that, and for that to be the reception is just fantastic. Because Tree Lights is easily my favorite song on that record. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think and, we're in agreement on that. And there's no, there's a lot. I mean, if you listen to, I think in Philly, I think it's B101 or whatever, like the, you know, when they go to all Christmas music, you're at the mall and you hear all Christmas music all the time for, you know, a month. There's a lot of crap out there, but it's crap that, people that put people in the mood and it's like, well, I'll listen to this, you know, like, okay, yeah, it's, it's cheesy, you know, but I'll listen to it. Like your, this song is a legit, like, I feel like hit song. It just, it's, it's so well-written. It's, it's well-produced. It's you, you set your voice on. It's great. And it's just, um, it's way better than I'd say 90% of Christmas songs you hear when you go to the mall, like it's, it's a better hit and it's, I just, I'm, I'm very excited to see where it goes. It's like, I, I mean, maybe not for this Christmas where, I mean, we're getting close to the holiday already, but like, I can see it popping off somewhere, but I think next year, I think we're going to be hearing the song a lot. That, that is my stone cold lock of a pick right there. NFL week number 14 <laughs> tree lights going platinum next Christmas. Oh man. Thank you so much. Oh man. So, so you tell us what you do. Tell us what you do on the track. It's obviously you sing. Yeah, no, I produced that whole record. So, mm -hmm. um, I came up with the baseline. I did all the drum production. A lot of that stuff is in the box recording stuff. Cause I use a software called logic pro. A lot of that is MIDI. A lot of that is MIDI recording that I, because I'm a, so MIDI. So when you, you, yeah, talk to me like yeah, I'm so to, the to, idiot to, that so, I am. No, it's okay. So MIDI is like the, uh, it's synthesized sounds in like a music program. So like the drums aren't necessarily real, but mm -hmm. they sound real because it's just programmed to sound like that. Right. Um, the only real instruments on that track are the guitars, which my brother does. My brother does guitar almost throughout the entire record. And then um, the saxophone. Somebody. I was going to ask the sax. Who did you get to play sax? So I, I, I got uh, this. Fiverr.com is a truly magical thing because uh, Fiverr has like a bunch of session musicians who all are ready to be hired at any given point in time. So I spent like 50 to 60 bucks on the 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 top guy who played saxophone on Fiverr and he did it in literally 24 hours like I wow. sent him the tra I sent him the track I was like because when when it comes to session musicians in that regard especially because I wanted the saxophone to be something that was like whoa like it's that whoa moment at the end of the record like yes. I wasn't ready for that yes. so I was just like you know what man you have the most freedom that you will have besides any gig that you have had here. Say, do literally whatever you want, and I gave like I just gave him the carte blanche to do it, and I get back that solo, which is actually a combination of two recordings he did. 
because originally it was going to be much shorter. But when I heard it, I was like, this is so good. I have to make the track a little longer. Yeah. Yeah. So, it worked. You know, it's funny. I heard it and I don't even know what this means, but I heard it and I was like, well, that is Christmas sax right there. Like that was yeah. so. And, and the only other, <laughs> the only other, um, it's funny, like, I don't even think of, like, whatever, uh, like, Santa Claus has come into town with Bruce and Clarence on sex. Like, I don't even think the only other example of Christmas sacks I could think of is uh, from Lethal Weapon. Like the like the Lethal Weapon score. Oh, right. Yeah. Every time you hear that sax, I'm like, <laughs> I associate it with Christmas. And um, you, the minute I heard it, I was like, oh, yeah, that that just that just. That brings the whole track together. Right? Like that, when I heard it finally mastered and finished, I was so taken aback. Because like, when I work on these songs, I kind of take myself out of it at the same time. Like, I don't look at it like, I'm trying to make a Christmas classic here. I'm just trying to make a good track at the very least. So like, I'll go through two or three rounds of revisions of lyrics and stuff like that. Like tree lights had three different looks or sounds to it before I finished on the final Motown esque tribute that mm -hmm. I kind of landed on. Like originally it was going to be more of a, more of like a, uh, more of a modern ballad type bullshit. And I just was like, I'm not feeling that. So I finally came up with the the instrumental that you hear finally, and that was what cemented it as what it was. Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's also a waltz, which I uh, always appreciate. Anything three fourths time makes me feel good, right? Mm -hmm. It's so dope. But I and I and I don't like ah, that's the weird part about this. It's like I don't I feel weird always like talking about my own stuff in a in like a positive light because it's like ah, I feel like I'm being an egomaniac, but like genuinely, like I'm proud of the work I did and that takes a lot for me to say because it's like I I'm typically very self-conscious about this shit like I don't tour I don't perform live which I wish I could with this record but just to hear the way that you guys have perceived that song in particular and the whole thing even though Ken you said you hadn't listened to a couple of the tracks it feels good like it feels like it feels justification in what I did so good you know, yeah. we were talking like for I, I, you know, I've never attempted to write a Christmas song, but we 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 discussed this with uh, G Love when when he was promoting his Christmas album. He said there's nothing easier than writing a Christmas song. Um, but I would think and, you know, again, I never tried, but I would think like it's so hard because there's so many out there. There's so many Chris. I would think the minute you sit down and try and put your pen to paper, all that's coming into your head are existing Christmas songs. Yeah. Like, oh, is, oh, has anybody done a Rudolph thing? Oh, no, wait. Yeah, that's been done. Well, what if what if I rocked around the Christmas? Oh, no, wait, that's yeah, that's that. that's been done. Yeah. Well, what if? And then oddly enough, there's never really been anything about tree lights, which I was like, huh. no. This is like that's interesting. So yeah, that that was my point. It's just all of it's been done so many times, and then and then you found you found something that really hasn't been done. And I think especially the past year or two really makes it pop out. Just because, like, you know, my wife and I, we always enjoy. We 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 did this thing where it, I feel like it gets earlier and earlier every year, but we've decided now that like 
on Thanksgiving weekend at some point, whether it's Thanksgiving day or sometime that weekend, that's when we put our little Christmas tree up in our apartment and we decorate, we put on a Christmas movie, whatever. And then it's like, that's the start of the season. Mm -hmm. And especially this past year where like, that's basically what it's about. It's like hanging the tree lights, you know, putting that up and you're just the two of us, whatever. And especially with that, cause like, I think it was, it, it resonates with so many people because people weren't going out this past year or the year before with COVID where it's like, Oh, out ice skating and going to the mall and doing this stuff. It's like, no staying home and just chilling out and feeling good about it for once rather than feeling isolated. Hmm. Who were, who were, um, what's some of your favorite Christmas songs? Like what, oh. what, what made, like what made you want to do this? Who made you want to do this? Who? Oh. I don't know if it was just one person, but it was like, I think it was uh, one or two songs in particular that I had heard in passing. And neither, like, neither of you are going to know, because one's from an indie movie that barely had a release, and then the other uh, was by a, a YouTuber. But it was just, I had heard these tracks, and they were just so much fun put into them like even though they weren't big artists like they weren't known they still put their all into those type of tracks and i had grown like some of my favorite music growing up was christmas songs like one of my favorite christmas specials ever to this day i watch it every year is a muppet family christmas mm -hmm, i sure. i love that special all the fucking characters come together it's sesame street fraggle rock muppets all of them to come hang out and celebrate Christmas. And then that soundtrack, because they would also sing a bunch of different songs, some of them were original, was just like, I have a standard, and it's the feeling I get when I listen to that or watch that special and hear those songs. So that's where I got that. And then two of my favorites of all time, uh, easily Little St. Nick. By the, the Beach Boys. Beach by, Boys. By the Beach Boys is one of my all-time favorites. One of my all-time favorite songs. Uh, and then you could you can hear some of that in this album. Yeah, I, I definitely yeah. picked up some like harmony, like Beach Boy harmonies. And then um, "Please Come Home for Christmas" by the Eagles for sure. Sure is like is one of those tracks that I can put on and just kind of yeah, this is a whole vibe. Like I dig this. Uh, and even to the point that, like, that is one of the main inspirations, even though the song that I did is a little more positive, we definitely paid tribute to it on a track called Oh, Where Are You, Santa Claus, which was about a kid, or at least from my perspective, from when I was younger, waiting up for Santa, that hoping I get great. to see the dude. And that's a, yeah, that was another good, that was, that was from where that song kind of had a genesis from. But, uh, but yeah, there's a couple of other ones that, like just cement the holidays for me but what Ken, do you have guys? any any favorites my favorites i do have and now here's a, and this is a, i'm not joking here this is a legit question you grew up not celebrating christmas necessarily but it's 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 or, or did you no 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 no. i grew up christmas adjacent i i used to i used to stare out the window <laughs> at the at the the torn vols lived right across the street and yeah and they were like you know they were just regular Christian people and they'd have their lights up and you'd see the tree through the window and you just you got the feeling early on like this is so much better than what we're doing. Right. <laughs> so did you were you a fan of Christmas music growing up? 
I was a fan of, um, I'm not so much a fan of like the classic Christmas songs, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whatever, Bing Crosby and, and all of those songs. Uh, I, I like, you know, I love what he did with David Bowie, obviously, but mm-hmm. like those, those classics, I didn't love Sinatra's shit, but like the, the Christmas rock songs that, that would come on. I loved, you know, mm-hmm. listening to Bruce do uh, Santa Claus has come in the town or yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, one of my favorites that isn't very well known is uh, Keith Richards doing Run Rudolph Run. Whoa, uh, the, what? The, Ch- the Chuck Berry, you, you know, mm-hmm. Chuck Berry's yeah. Christmas song. Oh, uh, you never heard that from, from no, this? No, I never uh, heard- from this. He released it as a Christmas single, like, Oh, that's dope. I, I got to check that out. Um, that might, that might be my favorite. Um, the, I don't know if I love the David Bowie and Bing Crosby because it's so good. You're talking about dancing in the streets, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, but the the video for Little Drummer Boy is just so bizarre. Bowie meeting Bing Crosby. Yeah. Um, it sounds weird. <laughs> it's it was done. It was done uh, just a couple weeks or a month or so before Bing Crosby died. So I think it was like his last. Televised anything, and then I, I was reading about it, and um, it was Bing Crosby's kids were fans of David Bowie, so okay. they convinced him to do this. And then David Bowie's mom was a fan of Bing Crosby, okay. so David agreed to do it to like impress his mom. Bing agreed to do it to impress their kid, impress oh, his funny. kids, and then you sort of get the sense that they had no idea what to do with each other, mm-hmm. but um. It's still, if you haven't seen it, it's just such a bizarre video. That's when David Bowie was, his diet consisted entirely of milk, uh, peppers, and cocaine. Like, those were the only things that he was putting in his body. Which is funny, because that's what I used to set out for Santa when I was a little kid. (laughs) (laughs) We never put out milk and cookies in my family. We never, I'd never, I wasn't into chocolate chip cookies as a kid oddly enough we would put out we would put out fucking pound cake for santa claus that's great we, we would put out pound cake and not chocolate milk but strawberry milk like what the fuck oh man that's that, amazing I'm sorry that just get, that just that's brought me back hilarious. to when i was a kid i'm sorry um you know what's another underrated christmas track that i that not many people really talk about there's two uh, Father Christmas by the Kinks. Yeah, that's oh, a great one. one. Of my favorites. That's, that's, that's one of my favorite yep. Christmas songs ever. And then Stevie Wonder's Someday at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Another, another killer. Yeah. Um, Some of my favorites. And I, I am a fan, especially more recently. Uh, I am a fan of the, the old crooners. Like I, I do enjoy a Bing Crosby, a Frank Sinatra. You know, just because it puts you in the mood. They're not the greatest songs in the world, but it just sets that that vibe. That, that vibe. And also, I think it really came. My wife and I moved to we, we lived in Center City, Philly for a while. And we moved to South Philly about five years ago. And I think that's when it really kicked up because we're just in the, we're in the Italian market. We're in this old Italian neighborhood where last night, for example, like we just walked the streets of South Philly 
looking at all the lights because there's a couple neighborhoods that just every house on the block just does this crazy, you know, light show and, you know, this whole thing. So it's just like you just get in that vibe. So we kind of got in that old school vibe. So I do like the classics. Um, but some of my other favorites, like new ones, like Christmas wrapping by the waitresses. Yes, is just, that's a great one that, that is that a killer. Never gets mentioned anymore. Uh, uh, Christmas all over again by Tom Petty is mm-hmm. a great one. Um, Fairy Tale of New York, the Pogues is just one of my favorite songs of all time. That uses a slur that we're not allowed to say anymore in a Christmas song, but it's hilarious and one of the most beautiful songs of all time. What's and, it? What, I I legitimately don't know what you're talking. What's what what word? What's in Star? You don't have to say it. What's it's in, is it? Who is it? It's not Kate Bush. Who uh, who is it? Chris, Chrissy McCall, I think, is the two of them are back and forth her and Shane McGowan I think it's Chris McCall and they're going back and forth and basically they're this couple but they're this dr- drunk couple who are just screaming at each other Christmas and uh he actually let me pull up the lyrics because I, ha- I, ha- I have to pull it up uh but and as I as I pull that up another one of my favorites that I just found out more recently um uh in the past few years that I discovered is the song Just Like Christmas by the band Low. Oh, I haven't heard that. Low, just like Christmas. It's one of like the most underrated, just beautiful, like just puts you in the mood. And it's just this like low is like a band, like they're very like lo-fi and like very low energy. Mm -hmm. But it's just it's a great almost Christmas. I'm sorry. Just like Christmas by low is that. But uh, I will I will read you They're They're arguing. So uh, in Fairytale, New York, it's uh, Shane McGowan. And I think it's Christian McCall. Uh, she sings, you're a bum, you're a punk. And then he sings, you're an old slut and junk. Uh, <laughs> lying there almost dead on a drip in that bed. And then she says, you scumbag, you maggot. Nope. You cheap, lousy. And uh, then I'll let no. you fill in the blanks. Uh, that That's what she calls him. And then she goes, happy Christmas, you ass. I pray God it's our last. (laughs) (laughs) And and then from that, it goes into the chorus, which is the boys of the NYPD choir are still singing Galway Bay and the bells ring out for Christmas Day. One of the most Christmassy, beautiful choruses you'll ever hear. Oh, that's funny. It's funny. I don't know that I ever paid attention to those lyrics. Oh, yeah. And um, I will... I will go out on a limb and I will die on this uh, Dominic the Donkey Stone Cold Classic. Uh, <laughs> do you know that I had never heard that song until recently? Oh, that's great. Honestly, like, I'm in the same boat as you. I didn't hear about it until maybe high school. No, I. No, yeah, it was later when, that I. No, that no, I got no. It. When I tell you recently, I mean that like. Last weekend, took my daughter to meet Santa in the park, and they were playing it. And I was like, "What is this <laughs> horse shit?" Like, I I just heard it for the first time. Last you mean week. what is this donkey shit? Yeah, yeah. What 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 is this? What is this donkey shit? It's it's such a dumb, uh, it's such a dumb song that I just. I just love I can't I can't get enough of like uh, I got one of those on the record, too. <laughs> Wait, which one? I, well, my my quote unquote dumb Christmas track is uh, I saw Santa Claus and he saw me. The the one where it's like the I saw Santa Claus I saw, and he saw me. 
And it was just the story of a kid who thinks he sees Santa and then Santa's like, please don't do that again. Uh, yeah. But like, I feel like you got to have like one or two cor- like incredibly oh, yeah, corny ones on a record. Fun. Exactly. Uh, by the way, I just I'm going to toot my own horn. And one of my favorite tweets, it got 17 likes and three three tweets. I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> but it's just one of my favorites because it's just so dumb. And I always think about it at Christmas. It's from uh, 2018. I tweeted this. I just pulled it up. Uh, so it's just me saying something. So it just says me and then quotes, you know, like call it like a script. It just says me. The idea of having a quote spirit animal is the lamest, most absurd. And then I just cut off and it just says, here's opening bars to Dominic the donkey. Because <laughs> <laughs> he is my spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I love oh, and I got to say, I'll be, I'll be mad at myself if I don't say this. The uh, and I can't remember. Is it Christmas time is here? The. Uh, peanuts yeah that christmas yeah that's, yeah, that's pretty great christmas is just a classic. that whole record that whole soundtrack is dope mm-hmm. and scaraldi i i i love um and this never gets mentioned merry christmas i don't want to fight tonight by yes Ramones. yeah that might yes. that might be my single favorite chris mm-hmm. that is one of the only christmas songs that i can listen to any like if it if it ever comes on any time of the year, I'm I'm turning it up and I'm yep. not like, oh, this is just for Christmas. Yeah, I hate uh, there, that, uh, there's a song Christmas Must Be Tonight by the band. Mm-hmm. Great song. That, that That's one that you don't hear all the time, but is is just is just a killer. And I'll throw this out. This is a little cheesy, but and not exactly a Christmas song. But uh, you too, Angel of Harlem. Yeah, Great. I, that's. Yeah. I could I could see that. There's mm-hmm. something about Christmas music that I picked up on recently that kind of both enlightens me to the process, but also kind of bums me out a little bit. Is that a lot of artists see making like a Christmas album as like like an end of the career bad thing? Like yeah, and I and I kind of understand it, but then at the same time, I'm like, why would you view something that is seen as so joyful and wonderful? To some people, to most people, and I'll be honest, Christmas shouldn't be one of my favorite holidays in my family because like a lot of we've had a lot of stuff happen around this time of year to on my mom's side, on my dad's side. It's rough, usually the holidays, but I've always grown up in a household where my parents always did their best to celebrate the holiday despite their feelings about it. And Mm -hmm. I always grew up with an appreciation for it. Now, that being said. What's wild to me is that I also noticed that even though we were talking about earlier about like the classic, the crooners and stuff like that, the older Christmas songs, I find myself enjoying covers of those songs more than I do the originals. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, for example, for whatever reason, I don't like the original version of this song, but I love this cover by The Shins. Wonderful Christmas time. Oh, I, I love oh, yeah, McCartney? By, Paul, by, by, by McCartney. It's the I worst Christmas song I in America. Do, I do not like that song by McCartney, but the Shins do a cover of it that like makes it really, really good. Really? Oh, wow. I'll have to check that out. Like I like I enjoy it because they take away that digital kind of bullshit of McCartney's original version. And I'm saying that as a McCartney fan. I love his music. Yeah. But like. That one song, dude. His his and John Lennon's Christmas songs. I feel like that. If you want to explain the the chasm between those two, if if you want somebody to understand their two different personalities, listen to those all, songs. All you got to do is play Lennon's Christmas. You know, uh, Happy Christmas. The war is over. 
and simply having a wonderful Christmas time. And I feel like that tells you everything you need to know. Which is wild because that's the same thing with Happy Xmas. I don't really dig the original. I can appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But a cover is the superior version. It's the Who's, weirdest fucking thing. It's oh, by this band called the Polyphonic Spree. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Polyphonic Spree is great. Yeah. They do a cover of uh, Happy Christmas, The War is Over. Uh, it's it's wild. But uh, the the and I think it's it's two things, too, that, you know, Wonderful Christmas Time, not a good song. I'll throw it out there. But I do love to hear it because there is also that nostalgia aspect to Christmas. And it was just on all the time when I was a kid, you know, it's just, you can't get away from it on the radio. So it just reminds me of being a little kid at Christmas time. So even if it's a, a crappy song, it's like, it, it puts it me in brings that you mood. back. Yeah. 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 And you're like, Oh, this is great. I love to hear this. And I only have to hear it once a year basically. Yeah. And then it goes away. And then you, you, before, by the time you get tired of it, you're like, okay, it's over. And I think another thing too, and this goes back to Lennon McCartney is and Kahuna, what you were saying of like, you know, there are a lot of artists, which I think that's true, that a lot of people do look at a Christmas album or Christmas song as, you know, your, the, 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 the death knell of your career. career. It's Christmas. Christmas song, do a, a band doing a Christmas song or an artist doing Christmas songs is kind of like it's like guitar comedy, musical comedy. You know, when a comedian does like funny songs, mm -hmm. if it's done well. It's amazing. Yeah. And if it's done poorly, it's terrible. Oh, yeah. you know, like, you know, it's like, you know, prop comedy. I'll say the th same thing too. prop comedy. If it's there's a lot of terrible, terrible prop comedy out there. But at the same time, there's some of the best stuff in the world. It's like one of those things where I feel like it's a risk to a certain extent where it's either like this is going to be beautiful and perfect. And everybody just love it. Or it's going to be a big, crappy failure. Did either of you ever hear Bob Dylan's Christmas album? No. What? Bob Dylan recently, like I, I'll tell you, like within the last decade, put out like not just a Christmas song. He's got an entire Christmas album. What? Bob yeah. Dylan? Yeah, where he changes the arrangement. You got to hear Bob Dylan doing Here Comes Santa Claus. Oh, no. Oh, wow. That's wild. See, I uh, like if it's, I, if it's a Dylan album, you probably think it's a Halloween album until halfway through. And you're like, oh, wait, I think this is actually a Christmas album. Yeah. Oh, wait. He fucks with the arrangements so much. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Dylan fan. You know, he's obviously a genius. And I love Dylan. I went to see him once at the Man Music Center about 10 years ago with my buddy Carl. And like, it's just like, I couldn't tell what song it was until it's almost over. And you're like, oh, that was Tangled Up in Blue. Oh, OK. All right. Thanks, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all I'm just looking up the the Wikipedia article on it. He Bob Dylan used a pseudonym to produce this record. I love it. Uh, that I wish I did. He used uh Jack Frost as he, he labels Jack Frost as the official producer of this record. That's Amazing. A, I like that. I like that. It's yeah. not it's not a bad album. I've 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 listened to it. Is this one of his most recent? Cuz I don't think he does records all that much anymore. Does he? It's. I'd say it's within. It's within ten years. Okay. If I had to guess, maybe even less than that. Hmm. Oh. But yeah, man, that's another. Those are. That's another one I'll check out for sure. 
Oh man, there's so many of these songs that I love so damn much. It's it's wild, but it brings me back to like when I was a kid, just watching all these specials and digging the vibe. Like, right. Like even one of my favorites that I didn't even mention is a uh, Heat Miser and Snow Miser mm-hmm. from the from the stop motion specials. I used to love those songs. And like the Burl Live stuff from Rudolph. Oh and, yeah. yeah, yeah. But that yeah. goes without mention. Those so- those specials right. were so played when we were kids, and yeah. even when I was a kid, it's like they're just cemented into my brain. Like, yeah, they're just they're just things that I've known about since I was born. Like they've mm-hmm. always been there and will always be there. Right. Do, do either of you remember the Yogi Bear Christmas special? No. Nobody does. It's. I swear it's almost like a fever dream that I, if it wasn't for Google where I know that it's there, it was it was so big for me growing up and they would play it every year for years. And then it just completely disappeared. And now, yeah. And now even people I speak with my age. Oh, my God. I do know this. Are, are like Yogi Bear had a Christmas special. It was, and they played it every year on television, you know, with Rudolph and Frosty. And oh, now, now that you see it, it's, yeah. it's dragging something Cause up. They, Cause they would air reruns of all the old cartoon specials on Boomerang on mm-hmm. this channel called Boomerang. And that mm-hmm. was one of them. That and the, a Flintstones Christmas Carol were like my favorites. Growing up. Oh, my God. You just unlocked a memory. I haven't haven't thought about this special in years. I think about every year I look for it. I'm like, oh, maybe they'll play it this year. Um, Boomerang is a shell of its former self. Someone just decided that Yogi Bear's Christmas special can fuck itself. (laughs) (laughs) Someone just decided Yogi Bear is just not relevant to pop culture anymore. We haven't seen anything from him in a while. Yeah. (laughs) So we're coming up. We're coming up on the end of our first year as mm-hmm. as a podcast march march was when we did our first uh bobby keys episode bobby keys sax player it was right around right around february we decided maybe we weren't going to do a different strokes podcast and yeah. maybe let's try this music thing we joke about that but that was legitimately what ken and i had talked about for weeks we're like we're going to do a podcast we're going to watch every episode of different strokes and we're going to do a podcast about it and it'll be great and then it was just this half thrown together idea like hey i think i want to do this music podcast and i was like all right we'll do a couple episodes and then we'll get into the real meat of it different strokes <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah, this, this was originally going to be what you talking about yeah with maybe that's what we what that's uh oh i have an idea for april fool's day then uh anyway but that's wild that that's the original idea for this yeah mm-hmm. and then and now you know not even 50 episodes later from what was supposed to be a joke different strokes podcast we have we, we've done things with this show that uh i it have already exceeded my wildest expectations oh absolutely um, it's been- sitting down with with Rick Allen and Zach Hansen or Richard Marks and Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction. Perkins, my, one of my uh, G, G Love. If you told you know sixteen year old Chip Chancer that he'd be like hanging out with G Love for an hour, I mean it was great. Um, if you told me I would be talking a little bit to the dude from Bowling for Soup, I would have laughed in your face. Oh, and yeah, I got that, to do that because of you guys. That was a good one. 
David I mean, Bryan can, was so good. I mean, can you re, can you can you think 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 about when you guys were 14, 15 years old? If somebody told you you were going to have not one but like four one-hour sessions with Johnny Goodtimes. <laughs> I mean, can you can you imagine what a fourteen-year-old Ken or Kahuna would say? I never would have. Uh, I never would have guessed that Johnny Goodtimes sounds like he should be a concierge at a strip bar, like a high-end. Yeah, like like they wouldn't even cut. You know, it would be like a gentleman's club. Yeah, It'd be like this guy can get you girls, cocaine, whatever you need. Yeah. And he can make your good night a great night. He would. <laughs> he would. And instead, it's like a guy that runs uh, quizos and, mm -hmm. and and frisbee teams. Yeah. Um, what would you guys say? What are some of your favorite stories, interviews? I know we we always talk about Joe Bryath being the the crazy be, being the one. one where we were like, hey, there's some really cool shit out there. Yeah, that that was the turning point for me. And that was obviously early on. Mm -hmm. it, it went from like, OK, we're going to we're going to talk about, you know, the Rolling Stones. We're going to talk about this or that. And then you just discovered this weird, obscure story that just became one of my favorite stories of the year. So Joe Bryth was definitely one. And I think maybe my favorite story going back to it was and this was maybe Johnny. I think Johnny Goodtimes, maybe second episode uh, was the Spade Coley story. Yeah, yeah. Spade Coley was great. Was was just it's so much fun because it's not a story. I mean, 99 percent of the people probably just never heard that name, don't know that story. And it's just a wild story that you could dig into. And I I really enjoyed that. For me, it was also uh, the Phil Spector episode. Because I thought I knew yep. him, but then there was the stuff that even you guys told me where I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So like, well, and then even and I don't even know if this episode's going to if we're like how they're going to be released. But the one we just recorded, the Michael Hutchins one of like uh, somebody who's fairly popular that people know you think uh, Kahuna going back to is like you think, you know, the story. And then you're like, oh, I didn't know half of this. Yeah. 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 That's 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 what I love. Um, is, is the stuff that I go in thinking like, well, there's not much for me to learn here. Mm -hmm. um, like the Live Aid episode that we did with Pat House. Like when, that was great. When you learned how quickly that came together and the behind the scenes drama and, and Bob Geldof just bullshitting his way through having bands booked <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and then still pulling it off. Ooh, yeah. I got two other favorites for you, man. Mm -hmm. I got, okay, for sure, the Wu-Tang episode. We talked about Old Dirty Bastard yeah, and with, his story. Yeah, with Sergio. That was wild. And us putting together the dots of why he probably said that on stage mm -hmm. was so wild to me because I would have never known otherwise. But what, why he said Wu-Tang is for the children? Yeah. Yeah. And that... Oh, man, I loved that episode. And then the one where I get to meet my now we're going to probably work on projects together is the Dr. John episode where I got to meet Ryan Gregg. Yes. Who's on my Christmas record. Yeah. He's the only artist that besides my brother is featured as a as a singer, too. So that was the episode I got to meet Ryan and yeah. also hear the story of like one of the coolest musicians. that there I, was. Are you intentionally only naming uh, episodes without chipping them? Is this? I, think he is. I, 
I get, I get a feeling that that's what's happening. Right? And I get that. I'm you getting know, squeezed out. You, you, you no, know. Chip, I'm so sorry. I didn't even realize that's how it was going. But no. I'm so in demand and popular that I just yeah. can't make every he, episode. He, 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 can't be in, he can't be possibly be on every podcast. You know, everywhere but you already said time. one of my favorites, and that was the G Love one. Like, yeah, I thought G-Love that was, was so dope. You, you yep. know, like, you know, I know that we just covered this, but I cannot stop thinking about Daryl Hall's interview in that mm-hmm. in that Rolling Stone. Like, I know we just did the episode last week, but that was another one where it was like, oh, I knew he was a weapon grades narcissist. I Like, you knew that his ego was. But even when you think, you know, until I read that interview and and, and he's talking about what a deadly snake he is, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> you have no idea when, when he's calling himself the, the Beatles of the 80s. What? Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, what? Mm-hmm. Well, and it is also fun to oh. to make uh, just connections with people and and. You know, meet you know, some of the guests that we've had. Obviously, we've had some big name musical guests, you know, Richard Marks and Stephen Perkins, G. Love and all. Um, but just like the people like uh, Kieran Turner, mm-hmm. uh, great guy who the guy who did directed the Joe Bryath A.D. movie, which definitely go check that out on Amazon if you haven't seen it. Uh, you know, and then he came back to do the Hello People, which was the most God, was the craziest. Great. That was a great episode of Mime Rock. Mime Rock. Who who would have known that? Those are my favorite things. It's like I love talking about big bands, you know, like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones, whatever. That's fine. And that's great. But the Hello People type stuff is what really gets me because it's just yes. so ridiculous. Or the Son and, of Dracula with Brian O'Halloran. Like just just to get to meet him and hang out with him and then talk about one of the craziest, dumbest movies I've ever seen, starring some of the biggest stars in rock history. Yeah. It's just those are the ones that really that really get me. I also like seeing what resonates with people. Like I was so excited that our Devo episode Mm-hmm. resonated and, yep. and and like shot up you know it's it's now like in our top five most listened to episodes well because devo speaks to the weird kids man like, yeah. devo speaks to the outsiders yes but it's it's still so cool knowing that they still do you Hell know yeah. like that it's because they played such an important role in my life like just on a just musically and also comedically like we've just mined them for so much comedy and then you see that it actually resonates still 40 years later it's it's really cool um what are so what are some of the stories chip and i are always like oh we should do this we should do that it's like we we haven't uh you know we haven't even scratched the surface on some of the stories we want to do which is funny too because i was like oh this Going into it, when I first thought about it, I was like, oh, well, this podcast has a shelf life because we're going to hit all of the good, quote unquote, crazy sex, drugs and rock and roll stories. And after a year, it's like, well, all right, we kind of did everything. And just the more you look, the more you find of crazy, weird stories. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you stumble on it like we stumbled on Joe Bryath. Spade Cooley was just me literally Googling. Oh, maybe there's a country artist that killed his wife because that's like a country. So maybe that would be interesting. And mm-hmm. then and then Spade Cooley's name popped up and 
Yeah. And and then you were like, well, it's probably an okay story. And then you read, and then every single thing that you're reading is just crazier than the thing before it. Absolutely. But um, Chip, give me give me a few. Like, what what who haven't we covered yet that you definitely want to get around to? What 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 stories? You know, it's so funny because some of my favorite bands I almost don't want to get into. It's the more obscure ones. Like, I love the Black Crows, but I, it's it's almost like a don't meet your heroes thing. Like, I don't know if I want how deep I want to get into the Black Crows history because I just love their music and I don't want, you know, it's like, yeah. or it's like, you know, is there is there really a great, and maybe there is, and I don't want to downplay it, but like, is there really a great Wilco story? Is there a pavement story there and it's like well i just love their music and it's whatever I, i'm trying to think of what do i want to dig into do, do you have any as i'm thinking about it do, i got one any? what do you have yeah. uh i would love to dig into the world of outsider music and uh, in particular a gentleman by the name of daniel johnston okay, oh Johnson yeah yeah great yeah. throw in a throw in a wesley willis fiasco yeah yeah i, I would also like to talk about uh, a gentleman by the name of uh jesse harnell and his group called rock sugar I've never heard of them. So no. J- Jesse Harnell is actually, you may not know his name, but you definitely know his voice. He's Wacko Warner on Animaniacs, but he has one of the dopest rock groups that before even the age of mashups started would take these awesome songs from from back in the day and mesh them with uh with other great, amazing songs. Like they did a, a mashup of Don't Stop Believing by Journey and Enter the Sandman by Metallica. And that's their first fucking record. Yeah, that's and the great. Whole, and the whole record is just stuff like that. They do We Will Rock You and Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, we Will Rock You by Bohem- and, uh, and Bohemian Rhapsody plus Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue. They mashed oh, wow. that up. That whole band is dope. So I would love to talk about them one day. And what's cool is that Jess, Jess loves apparently to do podcasts, so maybe we can interview him. Maybe we get him. Yeah. yeah. I'm also an Animaniacs geek, and this dude was also uh, Ironhide and Transformers. Like He's been around. He's been around for a long time. Yeah, I would like to get to... So the Black Crows is definitely a band I want to cover. Like, I'm so obsessed with brothers and bands or siblings and bands that hate right. each other's guts. Yeah. Um, so the Black Crows for me, the Kinks is definitely one of my favorites, one of my favorite bands. And there, and there's, it's weird because, you know, they, they're in the rock and roll hall of fame and, and, and they've sold millions and millions of records and everyone knows their music and they're still somehow just maybe the most underrated band on the planet with, with, one of the best songwriters who ever lived and and they're still like just a forgotten band mm-hmm. um so i i would love to do the kings like oasis is right in that vein there's so much good stuff there um some of i i don't know like some some more obscure stuff Mm-hmm. I'd have to think about. And it's also fun to like learn about music. And I'm trying to think of like a band that was like, oh, I became a fan of that, you know, that I didn't know much about that we've done. But, um, you know, so whether it's like, I mean, there's jazz musicians from back in the day that were just like crazy stories, you know, that could be really interesting. Um, there's also disasters, uh, disaster bands. Like uh, there's a great documentary, if you haven't seen it, about the Brian Jonestown massacre. Mm-hmm. And they have a couple of like killer 
grooves, great songs, and they're just a complete disaster of a band. And like most of their shows ended up in fist fights where the band would just implode and just have a fist fight with each other. And then the show would be canceled. Uh, 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 Mike Doty is one of my favorite musicians too. I love Mike Doty and he was in the band soul call thing, mm-hmm. which has like a weird, crazy fucked up story. Um, an- another one of my favorites, and it's just more of a sad, depressing story, but uh, it's, it's one of my favorite musicians is Nick Drake from the seven, yeah. early seventies, you know, folk musician, just amazing. And I think there's an interesting story there. So there's just so much, but again, it's those little weird, obscure bands that that's what really interests me. No, I feel that there yeah. was a. Uh, those are the most fun to do too. I feel like those yeah. are the ones where it's artists that most people don't know about. Mm-hmm. I think is where the the mark is the best to be hit. Well, well, because I think we're obviously we're all three of us are music nerds, and one of my favorite things, and I'm sure one of your favorite things, is turning people on to a new band or a yeah. new artist. It's yeah. like. It's when you give somebody an album or you say, hey, check out this band, and then they come back and like, oh, my God, that's the most amazing thing. That's, you know, th- th- I mean, that's that's such a compliment to me because it's like, oh, yeah, my taste is good. And other people. I got another two artists that I think would be dope on this show. I don't and I don't think we've covered one of them. Uh, B-52s. B-52s oh. we've actually talked about. Uh, we, dude, yeah. They they would be a great. They would yeah. be great. I love yeah. them. B-52s for sure. And then this one you guys probably don't know, but one of my favorite jazz artists. It's not really rock, but it's still he's still dope. Uh, a guy named Bob DeRoe. Bob DeRoe, you may not know the name, but you definitely know the song Three is a Magic Number mm-hmm. from Schoolhouse Rock. Yeah. Yes. He's, sure. he's the jazz mind behind Schoolhouse Rock. Oh, wow. But oh, un- unlock his catalog beyond Schoolhouse Rock and you get one of the best jazz musicians I've ever heard. Okay. Well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, the band uh, Blind Melon yes. does yeah. Three is Magic Number yes. on that Schoolhouse Rock yep. tribute album. And it's it's that's my favorite song off of that album. Yeah. They were great. Yeah, I'd love to do a Shannon Hoon episode. Blind Melon, yeah, Sh- yeah. Shannon Hoon. I mean, they were they I was were lucky enough to band. see them. Yeah. Their, their shelf life wasn't long, but no. those two albums were fucking great. Well, I think that's something. I think we have our 2000. 22 uh yeah line up all ready to go so um but also hey thank you to everybody who's been listening yeah uh it's it it seems like it's growing just a tiny bit every week the numbers get a little bigger so you know i guess some of you are telling other people about it uh thank you um we're gonna keep trying to put out some some funny episodes and quality Mm -hmm. interviews um if you haven't already, rate us. Give us a review. It, that, that, subscribe. That, subscribe. And uh, tweet at us or or message us. Tell us tell us what stories you'd like to see covered. It, we love hearing from people. Yes. We're, we're very lonely. Yeah. Yeah. We're just terrible. And check us out, too. Uh, check us out. We're both stand-up comedians. Uh, we're, we're on the road. Uh, we have albums out, uh, Ken Krantz and Chip Chantry find us on at our names. Well, I'm at Chip Chantry on Instagram and Twitter. You're at Ken Krantz comic. Yep. And then of course we got Kahuna, which I'm excited about for this year and for next year for his album in the key of Christmas. I got that right. Right. Kahuna, yes. In the key of Christmas. And it's, key. It, it will be out, uh, this Friday, December 17th. 
yep. available everywhere. So is it is it can can you buy it or is this yeah. streaming only? It's uh, you can buy it off of iTunes and then you could also have the physical copy, but it's also streaming on uh, iTunes and any other major streaming platforms. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, so listen, do the right thing. Buy buy Kahuna's album. Yes. Appreciate it. And it's great. You will not you will not be disappointed. No, no, you won't. Um it, it really was. I, I let out such a sigh of relief when I started listening to it. I was like, oh thank God, this doesn't <laughs> suck. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So um I I guess that's it. Happy holidays, everybody. Merry Christmas. Have a great 2022 and uh, stick with us in the new year. We got some great episodes coming up. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. everybody.